Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. Thank you for joining me today. I'm your host, Steve Kramer of Kramer Basketball, founder of the Coach's Edge. On this episode, Brian Sable, strength coach, varsity track coach, Eastwood High School, Pemberville, Ohio, that's Northwest Ohio, speaks to us. This guy blows my mind with some of the knowledge that he has. Every time I speak to him, I learn more about the human body, human movement, how it works, how we can perform better. Here's a few of the things that we touch on in this episode. Number one, what as athletes should we be focusing on and coaches paying more attention to? What are some of the common mistakes that we see high school athletes making? What are some of the things as coaches that we should be doing with our athletes to help them become more athletic and dynamic? If we build that body, the foundation, that's gonna allow those skills to perform at a higher level. So building the body, human movement, more explosiveness and athleticism, that's key. We also touch on some things that we can do to help prevent injury and some of the benefits of playing multiple sports. So I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. A big thank you to Brian for taking the time to be on the coach's edge. We will have to have him back. I mean, he's a he's big time with as a strength coach, working on explosiveness, speed, power, um, but he's really got a heart for for kids and leadership is a big thing with him as well, which which we have to dig into in the future. Lastly, before we get to the show, coachesedge.coach shuts down today. This is the last day that you can register and become a member. You get access to all of our uh, player development videos, hundreds of player development videos, all the PDFs, small group practice drills, all of our presentations, past and present. We meet twice a month among Coaches Edge members. You can join those meetings. We had an awesome meeting last week about practice plans and how we decide to divide our time up when we're coaching our team during the season. But it's not just for coaches. Coaches are the ones making that decision. We have a ton of value for our coaches, but your players win as well. When a varsity coach becomes a member of the Coach's Edge, you get 12 roster spots to the Kramer Basketball Training app. So as a coach, you are developing. As a coach, you're giving your players an opportunity to develop their guy, their game by giving them an app on their phone, show them what to do, what they wanna work on, ball handling, finishing, shooting, off-season strength conditioning. We have all of that for them as well. It's win-win. But again, the membership shuts down today. And when we open it back up, it will not be the price that it is today. It's $59.99 for three months. That's less than $20 a month for you to develop yourself as a coach and for the players to develop themselves with the Coach's Edge membership. If you have any questions, let me know. Contact at KramerBasketball.com. Let's get to the show. I'd like to give a warm welcome to Brian Sabo, strength coach at Eastwood High School, also their varsity track coach. And um, coach, I just want to welcome you to the Coach's Edge podcast. This is going to be really beneficial in many, many ways. Um, You have a ton of experience and a lot of success in everything that you do. Um, Everybody that I've met speaks really highly of you. So I'm excited to dig into some of our uh, topics for today. But first off, lay the foundation a little bit. How did you get uh, an interest in human movement and strength and conditioning and all these different aspects to what you do today? 
Uh, I started out. Uh, thank you. I'm really excited about this. My kind of first ever podcast. Um, and Welcome. I met you one other time and um, very passionate. Um, and then I started following you on obviously Twitter a lot more. Love some of the, the positivity and, and the things you um, put out. I'm not a basketball guy. I, I can play defense, maybe can't shoot <laughs> anything. So so your skill level stuff would help me out a lot. Um, I initially went to Bowling Green State University. Um, for track and I thought I was going to be an accountant because I had accounting in school so I had you know zero ambition to teach or do human movement realized I knew nothing about money um, so my sophomore year I thought you know I I, I like helping people I, I felt I can teach things well so I said let me let me get into teaching you know because you, you go into business because you think you know you want to get involved with money and um, and I got involved in teaching and went into math to start with, and then had a few, I needed some more credits. So I started taking some phys ed classes and I don't mean like volleyball or tennis. I mean, it was like structural kinesiology and, and I fell in love with just, um, the human movement, learning about body, learning about movement. I always grew up playing sports and just played a lot climbing, running, jumping, doing things probably you shouldn't do that should have got you hurt. Um, so I always just moved uh, and always was fairly efficient with it. And then when it came time to then learn about all those things, I, it's just something I enjoyed. Um, so, so the PE major side of things, and I switched and ended up making my major, um, picked up a few minors and that's how you end up in college for seven years. I don't recommend it, but I wouldn't be where I'm at, married to my wife and those positive things probably here with you right now. Um, but probably through the PE major, they really taught you how to observe movement as well. I thought that was one thing they did a really good job of versus just teaching bones, muscles, you know, um, levers, um, but observing movement. And then I just really enjoyed how the body moved then when I ended up graduating, uh, ended up student teaching at Eastwood, fell in love with it. It was my first little taste. When you talk about you grew up, you know, or went to a small school, uh, I graduated with 450 kids at Canton Glen Oak in Ohio. And it was my first real taste of a community school, fell in love with it. They had a position open. I applied. Um, thankfully, I got it and have been here ever since. And that time, the internet obviously was a bit more prevalent. So you're talking late 90s um and i was just researching researching strength and conditioning researching speed obviously i'm a track coach uh, to me speed power go hand in hand doesn't matter the sport uh, you'll get benefits either way and started coming across a lot of the same people and very well-known people and they then would you know say a name or drop another name of this guy and then two other guys said that guy's name and so you just you start researching the right people and and just grew my passion and my thirst of improving knowledge to really in turn make the kids better if I could bring something that maybe somebody else wasn't doing uh, or something we should be doing to benefit the kids at Eastwood I just I had a, I grew for a passion for that um, so that's kind of how the whole human movement and still am I mean I, I just still am constantly looking for better ways more efficient ways to move to feel better um, let's face it, you and I both are, are all going to try to beat father time here. And, and eventually, 
hopefully at some point you're still always going to be able to dunk, but, but at some point <laughs> it, it'll catch up to you. Maybe at some point we're trying to beat that and, and find more creative ways to continue to be able to do that. I, I need a pole. I was a pole vaulter. So I've seen you jump. I do not have hops. That's why I used a pole. So that was my, that was my thirst for uh, human movement. I would say. Uh, that, that's awesome. And yeah, I'm hoping to, you know, when my 40th birthday rolls around, which was, isn't for a, a little while yet, but I'm, I'm hoping that I'm dunking when I, when I'm 40. So that's like one of the kind of somewhat longer term term goals. So we'll, we'll see how that shakes out, but right. um, that needs to go on Twitter then when it happens, we all want to see that. Oh, I will. I try to put a birthday dunk every time my birthday comes up. I'm like, Hey, I'm one more year. I'm still dunking. Perfect. Um, <laughs> Perfect. I so love I'll, it. I'll be sure to do that. Um, so as, as you're so focused, one of the things that I love that you said was, and this is in common with all the coaches that we've interviewed is that you want to continue to learn. And I've never met someone who's good at anything who feels like, ah, I just, I just know it all. I'm good. I'm content. Everybody who's good. They want to keep improving. You're one of those people. So when it comes to human movement, explosiveness, what are some of the things that you try to focus on with your athletes or what are some things that you try to focus on that maybe other coaches aren't doing in certain sports and they should be? I, I, the first thing right now that I just picked up, and this is going to go, I think one of the questions you had later on was, you know, kind of some ways to prevent injury. Um, just picked up something that's fairly new. Um, it's called RPR, Re Reflexive Performance Reset. Um, it is all neurological based. There's, there's some things, um, you know, it, it, you see it a little bit in the chiropractic world. Um, most people all do mechanical type movement things. Um, they'll stretch, they'll maybe form roll a little bit, um, but this neurologically will, will, what they call wake up, the, everything's efficiently moving. This will make it move more efficiently. Um, also, it's unbelievable for recovery uh, and it doesn't take very long. It's about five minutes, maybe not even that. Um, it's, it's kind of like uh, you, you hit a couple spots, kind of a brief self massage and they call them like wake up drills. And it, it efficiently helps you move a little bit better and helps you recover a little bit better. So if there's something I would suggest for you to look into a little bit, you know, creeping eventually to 40 and still want to be able to jump, it would be those type of things to help you recover even better. So what would those five minutes look like if, you know, is this something that you do with your athletes, like before they start a workout or, you know, dig into what, yes. you know, these five minutes would actually look like. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this is something about a year and a half ago. Um, the only, you know, the positive thing about some of the COVID things is, is again, like you said, if you're a good coach, you did a lot more research, you did a lot more podcasts, you did a lot more zooms that you might've paid for and learned. Um, Fortunately, I was able to do that. And this was one of them. Um, so I went and got, I don't want to say certified, basically you go and learn about it. And then obviously you become some sort of like level one certified type person. And it would be, you start, obviously they'll teach you a little bit about it. Uh, and, and they call it like, so if I would hit a couple spots starting maybe um, around your forehead and your jaw, and then one on the one is it's, it's called belly breathing. You, you, you kind of massage uh, down the sternum, down the rib cage, opens up the diaphragm. And another one is, so like, for example, just an inch below the belly button will um, 
help the psoas move more efficiently. Uh, the next one would be that the back of your head, uh, the, I think it's the occipital bone, the back of your head actually helps the glutes become more efficient. I mean, it's really deep stuff and, and it is so bizarre. There's, there's a pretest, then you would do this thing and then you would post test. And the difference was that most of the people would feel the difference between the, the test and post test. Um, and, and, you know, so it would hit spots. Obviously those are the first three and then it would do like uh, the hamstrings, you know, so I, I, it's supposed to be designed to help reduce the amount of injuries. Um, they believe, there's some belief there that they think if you are moving more efficiently and in a proper firing sequence, that you might reduce ACL injuries. For example, if the quad should have been firing to um, protect the hip, you have nothing there to protect the knee. When maybe if the psoas was already firing, the quad could have helped protect the knee. Just, just little things like that. There's, there's no... Obviously, they don't have some sort of major studies, you know, and so your, your doctoral people are going to be like, well, where's the studies for this? Where's the research? Um, they don't have a ton of it now. What originally was called was called be activated and it was practitioner based, which is somebody was doing the, the massaging. The RPR people wanted to create something that you would be able to do yourself. You know, from a coaching standpoint, that's better. We shouldn't be putting our hands all the time all over uh, kids or even adults. Um, so it was practice. It was a base, so you could do some of these things yourself. And, and the one hamstring, and and one of them is called like lateral sling, provides stability in the hip, um, and helps change the direction. Helps with um, really the ability to put force into the ground a little bit better, not to be a little bit more stable in your movements. Um, you know, and you just massage kind of the hip bone all the way up and over. Um, it, it's there are times it seems really bizarre what you're doing, but, but you can really feel it. Um, and this would be something before you would do any sort of exercise. I do it every morning, you know, or I'll do it tomorrow morning when I'm going to lift. I will do it before that. Now, here's a, I warm up less because of this. That's the other um, part of it. So I brought it in our, our track and field team last year. It's when I first started did it. And then with COVID in the weight room, we had to massively spread out. Uh, we had to do a warm up while another group was lifting. You just kind of rotated. So RPR was one thing I brought in. I said, we're, we're just going to dive in and start teaching because we have the time and we can only do so many things with them. So we kind of dove in and really most of the kids know it. And once they feel it, whether it looks silly or not, they just feel like something happens to them and they feel better. So now they're bought in. Um, and, and the nice part is something that only takes three and a half five minutes to do um but when you so for example in track we used to do a two-lap warm-up you know it, it just standard it used to, a lot of people used to do that we have cut that out which people like the throwers and your sprinters are just happier than heck you know not to have to do the two-lap warm-up but we do this for three and a half minutes and they feel like they move more efficiently we, we feel like we can help reduce the amount of injuries um so far we've seen some good benefits uh, and I'm, I'm curious to dive into a little bit more, but um, and it was originated. Uh, Cal Dietz is a strength coach at University of Minnesota. He's was at um, grew up here in Shelby, Ohio. Um, let's see who else is it. Chris Corfus is a track football coach in uh, Illinois. Um, and JL Hordsworth is was a power lifter and now trains in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and, and these guys, you know, kind of created this 
uh, to do that as far as uh, help, help move more efficiently and, and possibly reduce injury. But it, was, it, it would be something I would highly suggest people to look into. Um, and, and any human movement, uh, adults feel, but I feel 15 years younger. I mean, I have no low back pain anymore, hardly any hip issues. Um, it just feels significantly better. You know, and for as you know, as, as we get older, you know, if you can feel better while you continue to move, um, you know, you're just going to be better in life and maybe still be able to dunk. Before we get into our interview, we'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, serving mid-Michigan in the thumb with their big three automotive needs. They have a wide range of products from Chevy, Buick, Ford, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram. They also have a large selection of pre-owned vehicles. With one of the largest selections of trucks in the state, they are sure to fit your needs. Standish and Gladwin, our truck country, stop in and see them today. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, they will get you right. When I lived in Ohio, I still went all the way up to Standish because I knew they were going to take care of me when it came to getting a new vehicle. Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, they are all about service. is a lot of um like it's a combination of breathing and kind of somewhat like deep tissue massage techniques and certain yeah. locations yeah um like i said it's 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 a bit more in the chiropractic world but again you're just massaging a couple spots and and for no more than no more than 30 seconds at, at a time and you just move on to the next one it's um it'll do um low back you'll do calves um it can do lats rotator cuff stuff, uh, some shoulders, um, like I said, calves, archery set. So like the bottom of your feet, which, you know, tell us so many pulses from the ground and, and give us so many responses to the body when it moves um, that if you can get, you know, an archery set, which kind of flattens the arch a little bit, uh, you know, relaxes the calves a little bit, puts less stress, less, less fascia on the feet. Some people have, um, uh, what we call it, like uh, fasciitis, that type of stuff, less of that. Um, another one that I think it, it will help a little bit, you know, ankle mobility. You know, if you're a person that does a lot of jumping, sprinting, um, I think it could help that as, as far as recovering, uh, being more efficient. That's the most yes. common basketball injury is, is ankle. Kids yeah. drawing their ankles. And, and the other guy uh, that created this, I, I follow him a little bit more too, but uh, this Chris Corfus, they have a, he has some unbelievable like lower limb development improvement um, stuff out there that, that, you know, especially in the basketball world or even like volleyball comes to mind too, as far as ankles and things like that. Uh, number one, increasing range of motion and building stiffness in those springs. Um, you know, so the lower leg is so critical. Like you just said, if I can reduce injuries, but I, I also can improve performance um, you know, he has some really good stuff on being able to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, he's, it's some powerful stuff and I haven't dove a lot into it as far as bringing in the track and field where I was hoping to, it would reduce maybe like shin splints. That's what we get a lot of. Um, I've seen some benefit. I just haven't dove in enough to it yet, but I really feel like it'd be something, especially in the basketball world, you know, he, he does a really good job again, making that he calls it spring ankle. I mean, you're just wanting to build better springs if you're a basketball player. 
right? That can be a big, big mistake. It's easy to see a really cool 30 second video clip. It's like, yeah, but that person was probably in the gym for an hour. What did the other 59 minutes and 30 seconds look like? That could tell us a lot about why they're doing this and when they're doing it. And again, you also mentioned where is that person on the, the genetic lottery uh, scale, right? Yeah, and are, are, yeah. are, they, are they a person that they're going to be able and they're much older and they're a pro or whatever it is? And so, you know, oftentimes I see kids trying to model what a pro is doing. Yeah. That's the wrong answer. What you should be trying to model is asking yourself, what was that pro doing when they were 14 years old? 15 Great. years old that started to put them on that path towards being where they are now. And yeah, we're, we're, there's nothing we can do about, you know, our genetics, but we can improve athletically. That's a big part of, of what you, what you do, right? That's one of my, if, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, I would probably be in some line of work like you're in. This is mm -hmm. a, this is a huge, huge, huge interest uh, of mine. I think that those are really key key pieces. Um, the, the last thing that I'll mention with that is players. And I think also coaches right now, they'll do something and it'll work, but they'll get bored with it, even though it works. And they'll want to jump to something else and say, okay, now I need something different. It was like, wait, where you're doing before that went really well. How come you're not doing it anymore? Well, cause we already did it. Yeah, but it was producing results. Let, let, let's keep this, let's keep this ball moving, right? Let's keep going in the right direction. I see that a lot. I see that wow. from coaches and I see that from players. And I'll do even with some of our online training program and our workouts and kids will go through a month or two months or three months. Coach, I did it. I got better. Great. Thanks. What's next? Keep doing it. Yeah. Keep going, right? We're getting, we're getting better. That's right. the goal, right? Right. So yeah as a coach, it's part of your job, I understand, to keep things fresh, to keep kids engaged and learning and having fun. Um, but you don't want to reinvent the wheel when something's yeah. working, right? Just make a small tweak to engage your, engage your athlete. You're not trying to, to start over. I just see that, see that a lot. That was another one that I wanted to throw in there. I don't know if you wanted to comment on that and you've seen that at all. No, I mean, I, I, I'm sitting here shaking my head that Wow, something now I, I do. I can see what you say. They, they, they might get bored of it, but like you said, it, it's worked. It that then now should be your foundation. You know, this is what I'm good at. This should be my foundation, and and then where you know can I continue to improve? I, I'm going to go back. If you are a coach that says because we've always done it this way, you're a bad coach. I, I just I think that doesn't necessarily mean it fits and it, you may have had some good talent and they won in spite of that. Um, I think that's a bad reason. If you can't give a why, then, then it's, it, it should, maybe shouldn't be in there. Um, and, and you talked about, you know, in certain people, I have a, a good friend of mine, Eric Magrum used to say, you know, that guy is a Ferrari. He is not you. Um, and the kids need to kind of realize like you talked about modeling pros or that, and when you just said, I think it was a powerful statement of, you know, what were they doing at your age? Um, I, I think that's important. I think kids do lo lose sight of that, but, but the whole, you know, it's working. So let's, let's, 
not do it as much anymore. That doesn't mean you have to spend as much time on it, but still be efficient and very efficient in it. And like I said, it should be your foundation. That's, that's powerful. You see that all over or mainly just basketball or. Uh, I mean, basketball is, is what I'm in, but uh, I'll, I'll see players who will, you know, especially when it comes to skill development, they're working on their skills. They're doing it. It's getting better, but they're getting bored with, that process they want to okay. try something new it's like well actually if you dump what you're doing and try something new you're going to go backwards yeah right? so you, you keep doing what you're doing as you said you could make it more efficient you might take away a few of the repetitions and we start to build and expand our game into new areas that's yeah. player development right, right. development right. we are growing as an athlete and as a player building our understanding and iq but you can't just go from one thing to the next and I'll see that with coaches occasionally as well, where, you know, they've been running a, an effective offense strategy X's nose and they're, they might just kind of be like, ah, I think I just got to change it up. It's like, are you sure you want to change it up? Cause you know how to coach what you've been doing really well. Yeah. Yeah. It's proven results. And so maybe there's some other ways you can freshen things up without, you know, giving up on something that you've been doing that is, that is produce, uh, produce results. So. I can uh, see that in the coaching world in general sometimes. And then you look and say, what was I thinking? You know, and I think, I think even all good coaches done, you know, done that and said, we got away from what we're good at. Um, yeah. I mean, it just reflects as long as they reflect and realize what was I thinking? What are some things that coaches could be doing with their athletes to help them become more athletic or dynamic? What are some things that that coach can be doing with their players to help them throughout the course of the year? I would say any, any human movement, anything. So anything to make you more coordinated. You gain any sort of coordination, trying some different things. Um, and it can be low level. So if I'm jump roping, we're gonna, you know, there's multiple different ways you can jump rope one foot, um, do some sort of corners, move while you do it. Um, there's ways to just continue to improve coordination um, you, you will become better. And even the lifting world, you know, early on when we have like middle schoolers coming over and you're a young lifter, you're not even really, people think you're gaining a lot of strength. You're just getting more coordinated in certain movements. And then we slowly load those movements and therefore you become a little stronger because you see numbers go up. Um, but really you're just making some movements a bit more efficient. Now you put on a lot of weight, and the movement just got worse, even though you did a little bit more weight. Um, you know, so I think the goal is to continue to improve coordination. Um, that can be done if you don't have a weight room through, again, various jumping, hopping, skipping, running. Let's go back to your locomotor movement patterns. You know, if playing another sport, uh, but you said, what, what, what can they do? Maybe if they're in season or, or things like that, or they have control over them. Um, you know, there are some efficient, like I said, the locomotor patterns, um, you know, you can still do many, your body is a barbell, your body is a weight. Uh, you can still do all the same lifting type movements, um, you know, jumping, um, hopping, throwing med balls. If you don't have that, um, let's see what else. You know, if you have a barbell, I mean, there's, there's, you can do jump squats with the barbell. You have a, a little bit more 
of a loaded movement. Uh, you don't necessarily have to teach a, a clean or a hang clean. That's extremely technical. You know, you needed somebody to do that. But if you jump with some sort of implement, it's the same concept as, as a hang clean. Your body doesn't know any different. It just knows it either brought it all the way up to your shoulders as a clean or it didn't. Um, those are, I think, some important things. Like I said, just doing different activities to make yourself more coordinated will, will genuinely enhance somebody's, especially at, the, at a young age, especially at a high school age. Um, if they can get involved in some sort of strength conditioning, I, I'm a believer of this. I don't think there's one way that's significantly better. Um, I'm a speed power guy. I'm always going to do things that have maybe even some lower reps, and we're going to try to put a lot of force into the ground with almost any movement that we're doing. If somebody is a bodybuilder, and this is what maybe their, their dad and them are doing it together, or they have some people, and this is what they like doing, I think they will still get significant benefits to possibly help them in another sport. Might they be a bit more like, you know, the, the quote unquote muscle bound? Maybe, but they also are learning how to work hard on their own. Um, improving, you know, you will gain neuromuscular coordination. You will gain some strength. You probably will gain, if you're doing some things right, some mobility, um, and you will get better. I don't think there's one specific way in the strength and conditioning world if, if a kid is wanting to improve um, a, a certain method, it's significantly better. Um, do I think there's more efficient ways? Yes. But if you're getting a kid to work hard on their own, I think that is the key. Um, I see you do a lot of, at times, uh, like a, a quick, maybe 30 second clip, ball handling drills, if you wanna improve this. If kids are doing that efficiently on their own, they will get better. Um, and, and I think that is the key. You know, the hard part is, is kids don't necessarily sometimes want to just improve a lot on their own. Um, but yeah, just, just any sort of movement, anything that, to make them a bit more efficient. Um, you know, hops, a lot of one-footed hops, jumps, skips, things like that. Tremendous for the, for the like I said, that spring ankle, uh, tremendous for basketball. You have to be able to stop, change direction um, pretty quick. Yeah, those are those are all great things. The the jump rope is something that I've I've subscribed by for a long time that covers a lot of those movements that you you talked about and you know incorporates rhythm and timing, which you know, you make a mistake rhythm and timing wise, but I always say basketball is a game of rhythm, right? There's you oh. can't you can't bench press a jump shot, right? You have there has to be timing and rhythm to it. And so using the jump rope, okay, I might do the same jumps without a jump rope. I use the with the jump rope. And all of a sudden I hit my foot. Okay. Now there's timing and rhythm that yeah. I have to hold myself accountable to. Um, and it doesn't take much. I mean, get a hey, jump rope for three bucks. What I, and what I love about jump rope, instead of running miles, if you took jump rope and did, you know, what is it? Tabata, you know, 20 seconds on 10 seconds off. And you did that for eight, 12, 20 cycles of different movements. I'm telling you, your heart rate is jacked. And yeah, I mean, I know you've done that. It's, it's a, it's a pretty, like you said, cheap, low level way to drastically improve and, and build, you know, it can build a little, I'll say cardio, but, but same type of concept. So with that subject in mind, because I'll have parents and players and, and coaches talk about, okay, Steve, I have some, some kids, they're skilled, hard workers, but I don't quite know how to kind of build that athletic base so that they can get the most out of their skills and, and their passion for, the game of basketball. Um, how do you recommend that athlete putting their 
focus and energy towards becoming, you know, really more explosive. And I'll give myself as an example, because I got no problem with you saying, Hey, Steve, you did it totally wrong. Um, so, so you can throw me, you know, to the wolves if you like, but here's something that I found and tell me I'm wrong. Like, don't, don't hold back. But here's something that I found when I was younger, I felt like I did a lot more cardio, a lot more like distance stuff. Um, trying to build like this base of endurance and, you know, just kind of my lungs and I can do whatever it is I'm doing for a long time. The older I got, the more I was like, I, I started doing less distance stuff. I started doing um, more quick dynamic movements and not paying a whole lot of attention to my cardio long-term, like I'm going to go run three miles today. And in, instead I switched it to like, I did a lot more jump rope. I lifted weights more. Um, I concentrated on like, just like short burst type stuff. And then I said, you know what, I'm probably going to be a little bit more out of shape when basketball season comes around, but I'm going to start to get my lungs underneath me at the beginning of the season. I felt like that works more for me. Um, and that's a little bit of how I still apply some of my training today. Um, but those are two very different ways to go about developing yourself as an athlete. You know, you can build this cardio base and then, okay, let's get dynamic off that. Or do you build more of a dynamic base and try to add cardio on that? And I know I'm probably butchering all the terms, no, terminology no, and all this no, stuff. So no. I'm just going to throw it over to you and you can take what you like out of what I just said. So let me ask you a question. When did you make the transition? When did you think, hey, this is kind of how I should train versus what I did before? Uh, I would say really towards my second to third year in college. And did you see results? Yeah, I, I started to, for example, there was an entire summer where I don't think I went for one run the whole summer. I don't think I ever went running. Uh, I think I played a lot of basketball. That was enough cardio for me, but I spent a lot more time in the weight room and I concentrated just on like, let's just be quick. Let's just be quick. Um, so, and, and that's kind of when I felt like my, my game changed a little bit as well. So, but then the key component is, were you significantly more out of shape than the other times or were you about the same or even slightly better? My conditioning or my overall, like. Oh, both. So my, my conditioning, I think was probably slightly lo less, but my overall everything, my movements, my quickness, my vertical, all of those were improved. And then as you played or kept practicing and as the season progressed, the conditioning and the getting in shape and being able to just play four quarters really hard probably grew but but so yeah. in turn did your athleticism continue to grow I bet because of your training um yeah so what I found was as the as the season went on or and, and really I mean and especially I'm playing in college we have you know six weeks of preseason I mean a couple weeks in I'm good to go yeah. but I felt like I had a, a body of work from concentrating on other things that was able to propel me through that season 
So I would say my first thing is anybody listening to this podcast, that is exactly uh, to me how you would want to train for basketball or speed power. Um, if you're trying to build a base and if you test your, so I would say test your vertical. And if you're trying to build a base, do a pre-test before you started any of this conditioning or, or if that's your model and then test your vertical, maybe periodically every week or right before the season after your conditioning phase. And I would bet it's going to significantly drop. And then you got to ask yourself, what kind of athlete do I want starting either practice or getting ready to play a game? An athlete that's really in shape, but not very fast and can't jump very well and is not maybe as athletic, but boy, can they be in shape? Um, where do you want to be? And um, there's another guy, and this is kind of, from the track and field world is so at Eastwood, we highly majorly only care about speed and getting there. And we believe the meets and the season just slowly get us into shape. Might we get beat a little bit uh, at the end of a race early in the season? Yeah, we might, but we also might not because we might have been significantly faster than you or better than you to a certain point. And you, and you just, we just could hang on, I guess, if you will. Um, your season will just continue to get you in shape. Probably the first couple of weeks of practice will, will get you in enough playing shape. But you are hard to beat if you are significantly more athletic. And number one, you're more confident. That's the other thing. You were probably were significantly more confident in yourself playing, moving, playing defense, uh, getting out, running and going um, more than, than, than you were when you were in shape. Am I right or no? Yeah, there's something about physically being stronger that translates to, you know, your your confidence to perform things. And I would say even things that don't require strength, right? So it's, it's very much a, a performance thing, but also a mental thing. And I would say the, the person that probably is the fastest or can jump the highest, you have a 35 inch vertical or he is just the fastest on the team through some fatigue probably will still be faster and have a higher jump than that person that's really in shape, but never even came close to that 35 inch vertical. Mm -hmm. So I my, like that. My point being, you know, and uh, there's a big thing right now of, of especially like in, in football and it, it could be in basketball because it's a speed power tips sprinting being a great way. So, so this might answer your question too. They don't have any really waiver coming sprinting applies more force to the ground than almost any lift you could do. So sprinting your kids, letting them then recover for a day or so, you will see improvements in vertical. Um, you will see some better power outputs um, for having no equipment. And somebody that's, let's say they can run 25 miles per hour. When they get a little fatigued, they might be able to run 22 miles per hour, let's say in the fourth quarter of a football game or basketball game. If, if you're playing against somebody that never has run 22 miles an hour or never has come close to a 30 inch vertical, you will still be better than them, even though you're not quite in shape. So how you train and how you said you trained is to me significantly better um, than somebody that wants to build just a base first, because you're going to see, I think, speed power go down where for you, if you're going to develop speed power, you can still do it in creative ways. Like we just said with the jump rope, you know, you can still do 
quite a bit. You can do a jumping circuit that might have a little bit more volume to it, but you're still going to get some great benefits in, in the lower limbs, but you'll still feel a little cardio from it versus running a mile and a half because you're supposed to do a mile and a half. Um, why there's a mile test uh, for a baseball team has I have no idea why. Why a volleyball team does a mile time test? I have zero ideas why that, why that, if it's some sort of mental thing, maybe they have their own way, but you're going to try to get kids to do something that's really just going to make them slower in a sport that slowness is not going to improve. And I don't know if that answers your question at all. Uh, it's just really, it's really interesting stuff. Um, so how much attention, you know, if there was a, a percentage, and I know it's probably dangerous to put percentages because every athlete right. and team is is different. Some kids are playing one sport, some are playing three. If you are, if you're a coach, I mean, is it safe to say that, you know, the, okay, we finish practice, get on the sideline and let's run sprints for a minute. Be like, okay, probably not the best use of, of our time. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. Um, if they, I'm a believer of this, if they have a significant reason why, and the kids know why, and they feel they gain some sort of benefit, I'm okay with that. But if it physiologically is not making you better, um, then maybe that's not what you need. You know, if you feel, look at it this way. Some coaches will say, Hey, look, we got beat. We're out, we're out of shape. We need to run more when really if you're really an observer of movement or ask your kids, maybe they don't need to run more. Maybe they're tired. They need recovery. Maybe that's why they're not finishing. Maybe like that's that. why they're not playing. Um, ask them, hey, are, how do you guys feel? Coach, I'm, I'm tired. You know, we, we busted our butts the last couple of days. And I, just, I just felt tired. I tried to get up. I just couldn't go. They don't need to run more because you don't think they gave enough effort. Maybe they need recovery. Um, and if there's an area, and this is, this is not a knock, but if there's an area that I feel sometimes basketball, there are so many drills and so many things that really involve their extreme intensity. And your body can only take so much of that over a duration. And if you're doing that day in and day out, there might be a day that they just need to recover. You know, maybe that is a bit more skill work with no running at all. You know, um, you'll be shocked if, if they recover how much better they can play versus, hey, they didn't give effort. Maybe they're tired. So what do you do? You run them more and you're not getting better performance, um, if that makes sense. Man, I, no, I can, I can relate. And honestly, it, it makes me feel good to hear you say that because um, I've had a lot of conversations about AU basketball. And I know later you want to ask me about some, some – yeah you know, basketball related questions. Um, but, you know, if you're playing games all day Saturday and all day Sunday in some city that's three hours away and you just think of the amount of running and pounding going up and down for a full weekend. And this isn't a hammer on AAU because there are plenty of benefits of, of being able to play, um, you know, with a, a different time of year than in, win in yeah. the winter. Um, but to, to, from a looking at a, a player development standpoint and saying, okay, what if we took out all of that running and we just spent an hour working on our game and getting hundreds of shots up 
and a thousand dribbles in because you could dribble a hundred times in a minute. I mean, you can, the ball handling stuff, you could knock out an insane amount of ball handling skills in five minutes, right? And then you can do finishing and all this other stuff, short burst, dribble moves. Um, I just see a, a lot of benefits that, compared to some athletes that are spending their entire offseason playing AAU going up and down the whole time. And sometimes that leads to, to some injuries. I feel like yes. it leads to injuries, uh, which is so. where I wanted this to go next. You know, w- what are some things that athletes can do to help prevent themselves from injury? And it sounds like you already said one, which is you got to give yourself some rest. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to piggyback. I'm going to go back to your question real quick. This is for anybody that does basketball. I've seen, some of you are like, you probably have tremendous amount of routines, whether it's dribbling routines, um, circuits that you do either for dribbling, ball handling, let alone then shooting circuits. I guarantee you have several things that you do. And if you did that over a period, when you personally did them, Steve, I got to imagine you were exhausted by the time it was all said and done. Again, if if you're going at an intense level, it doesn't matter if you're compared to, to running, like I spend 45 minutes running, but I'm going like half speed and yeah, I'm going to be tired because I was running for, for an hour, but I can be gassed in five minutes if I want to, yes. or less than five minutes if I want to, if I'm really getting after it and challenging myself. And then you throw some coordination aspects in there where it's not just physical burst, but you know, there's a basketball involved. I get to do different things with it. Um, There's, there's some coordination and mental challenges there too. Yeah. You're You're going to be burning. Uh, So you got significantly better in conditioning because you, because you really pushed the limits, but also your skill level improved. So there's a way to get both at the same time is skill level type circuits and things, but you will improve conditioning so so that might went back to our initial question a while ago um injury stuff again know your body recovery um the the number one way if kids and this is a hard part for kids the number one way i think they can recover and continue um let's say testosterone boosting and, and even for girls you know it, it will help recover better um would be sleep um, it is the easiest and best drug you can do is have better sleep. Um, and, and I don't mean uninterrupted sleep or I got my, you want to sleep better. Don't have your phone right by your bed. Um, it, it will drastically help improve, um, and help them recover better hydration. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of things out there. I feel like kids drink a little bit less pop than maybe we did growing up, which is a good thing. Um, so I would say hydration, um, knowing, knowing their body a little bit, Hey, do I, do I need, um, if they never do some foam rolling, I, I like it. So I, you know, the RPR stuff, but some foam rolling can just, just create blood flow. Um, you know, sometimes kids are sore. They, Oh, I can't do anything. That's the wrong philosophy. If you want to, Hey, I just, like you just said, I just played five games yesterday. I'm pretty sore getting out and doing some sort of low level activity, uh, walking, uh, light jump rope, um, just just some some uh, dynamic type stuff, high knees, um, uh, backwards run, um, some light hops, um, a light lift, really light, will increase blood flow, get that old blood out, get some new blood in, you will significantly feel better and you'll recover better. So I, I like a lot, and active recovery will also help prevent injury. And like you said earlier, 
here's where our one sport athletes accelerate their injury risk if it's always the same movements all the time over 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 and over again um your body has to just to me take a break from that or do something a little different um to not overuse the same movements or the same muscles or joints things like that those would be some key ones i would i think right away i can look at my notes to see if i had any more while you go ahead so you talked about you know sleep water uh, foam rolling any you know, i always thought that if i'm feeling stiff i'm only going to stay stiff or get more stiff if i don't move right so i don't have to go and do some crazy workout but moving my body is, is going to help me be able to loosen up and actually feel better and then you know by the next day instead of still being stiff i'm probably going to feel a lot better and say okay let's get after it again um i think that one's really really key and you know, we don't think about that enough. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm hurt or I'm sore. I can't move at all. It's like, no, sometimes getting a little movement in can have a lot of benefits. We'll see kids come in the weight room. And I know, let's say, for example, last year, volleyball team played in a tournament um, or, or did some things, a couple games on a Thursday, but, but they, uh, they're supposed to come in and lift on a Friday. Most came in, you could tell they were a little tired, you know, and, and instead being, a, being aware of coach is, do they need to come in and really, really, really get an intense lift? No, let's, and I told them, let's come in. Let's diminish the amount of weight you typically would do quite a bit. Move. I want you to leave here feeling significantly better than when you came in. So let's drastically reduce the weight. Let's continue the movement, get some blood flow. And when you walk out of here, I, I'm going to ask you, do you significantly feel better? And more times than not, it's yes. Like you said, they did a light active recovery versus, oh, my, I'm so sore, I can't do anything. That is the wrong thing to do. You, you have to be able to do something. You got to get that old blood out. Uh, you got to get new blood in. Uh, and I think that's the easiest way to do it. And, and another one I think probably would be nutrition. Um, you know, and, and maybe none of us ate very well until we actually had to. Um, but I've seen those that start to eat the right efficient foods that their body responds a little bit better to it. Um, you know, if you need to gain or lose weight a little bit, um, eating, you know, people always ask me this, you know, hey, I, I want to be at, at this weight, whether it's an adult, whether it's a kid, um, you know, what do I need to do, you know, lifting wise in a way room? I said, look, it is, it, is, it is strength training times nutrition squared. I mean, wherever you want to be, your nutrition takes care of the overwhelming majority of that. You, you can lift as hard as you want and you're only going to gain I don't know, 10 pounds or so over a year just through lifting and muscle. I, but the rest of it comes with nutrition and they're recovering from that. You know, and that's what I think some of the kids don't necessarily realize um, at times. Now, I, like I said, I do think they drink like less pop and things like that. There, there's some more energy drinks, but if they're not having six a day, I, I'm not a big warrior of that as long as they're still having like, you know, waters and Gatorades and things like that. But I, I would say the movement part um, definitely helps any injuries and helps them recover a little bit faster. Love it. You touched on um, the benefits of playing multiple sports a, a little bit. Uh, you want to dig into that a little bit more? What are some other benefits for athletes playing more than one sport? Uh, you learn how to compete. Um, and not, you know, maybe I'm really good at this particular thing. The second part that I think that I love for kids, they take a risk and, and do something different. Um, I always say this, we have several kids sometimes that come off for track for the first time. 
And I said, no offense to all the other kids that have been here. I almost respect you more for taking a risk and trying something new and being willing to fail, being willing to be coached because you're out here. Maybe I want to be better in football or basketball, or if you're a girl, maybe it's soccer or volleyball. I appreciate that you want to use maybe our sport to improve maybe speed for another sport, but I respect the fact that you're willing to come out and willing to take a risk and do something that you're not sure you're going to be very good at. Um, that's what I think it teaches you. Um, the second, you build different relationships um, with different with different kids, different um, cliques, um, different group of people. It's not the same thing. Uh, a break from the normal is good. You know, I, I've seen a lot of kids uh, do something different, get away from what it is that they were continually doing for, let's say, a month, come back, and actually because of that recovery come in and be, be a little bit better. Um, so just a little bit of a break is good. And not only that, it brings you the passion back when you do come back to something that you really enjoy. You know, you take a small break from something and all of a sudden you're like, you get that itch, I'm ready to go again. That, that's a good thing. That's a good thing, keeps you, keeps you fresh. Uh, again, well, I talked about the improved coordination. I think that's, you know, you, you do something different, you're just gonna get more coordinated. You know, we used to have uh, a couple, uh, kids that I remember the one year couldn't dunk was close to it came out for track like I said we did a lot of sprinting we did a lot of coordinated movement came back uh, to basketball that next year after after a little bit of a recovery and significantly jumping higher and, and better I'm not saying that that's the norm but for him it was so he gained more coordination he thought wow this this really helped me uh, improve um, one more that I thought I had um Besides taking risks, uh, learning to fail, uh, that might have been all of them. I think the one thing that I thought was was cool was you mentioned the break from normal, and I see this personally. I probably see this the most with soccer players that I've noticed, where it can be such a a year round thing. Um, you know, I I played soccer for shoot five years coming up, and it wasn't what I would call serious soccer anyway. But yeah. we still had a fall and a spring season. I mean, okay. so it was essentially like playing two sports and I didn't even really like soccer. And I was like, man, I'm getting dragged into playing soccer, you know, and, you know, twice, two seasons instead of one. Um, so that that break, that just changing something up, I think, can go a really long way for for most kids. Um, I love that. I love that piece. Um, I did want to touch back to one other thing that we we talked about a little bit more. Um, I'm reminded I've had some conversations with coaches and they've asked me, Steve, I need a warm up for my kids. Like either what we're doing, the kids are bored of it. I don't know if we should just go straight into like basketball practice warm ups, if we should do a, a dynamic stretch. Um, you know, I, he's like, some one coach was like, I have kids who they hate the dynamic stretch. And sometimes I wonder if it's a waste of time. And so I don't know. Like, do we do basketball stuff until they're kind of warm and loose? And then we, you know, up the intensity. What's your advice for those coaches? Uh, <laughs> the story I go back to is, you know, in years ago, there wasn't much of a dynamic warm up. Um, it was more, you know, the static stretch, bend over, touch the floor. And the, and the best part was, especially in basketball, uh, kids, kids been kind of sitting on the bench. He did a little warm up. He sat on the he sat on a bench for a little bit, and then about a quarter and a half, you grab him and you throw him in. 
there's no time. He's not doing any static stretching. He's not, hey, I, I got to get a couple of A skips in. Um, hey, let me do a little bit of shuffling here. He goes, he plays. Um, so you ask yourself, do we need all of those things or, 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 or 40 minute warm up? My answer probably would be no. Um, I do like the RPR. If you learn how to do that, it's something that takes less than five minutes and the kids can do that ahead of time. If they feel, and if they feel it, they'll want to do it themselves. Um, so if I threw somebody in a game, they might, they might quickly just hit a couple spots and feel like, all right, I'm ready to go. Um, I like to at least get the heart rate up a little bit. Do I think that can be all accomplished through basketball movements? Yeah, I do. If you ever watch, so you're a coach, you come out, the kids kind of have the balls, they'll shoot a little bit, they'll maybe move a little bit, they'll dribble a little bit, watch them move. It looks eerily similar sometimes to a dynamic warm-up. You know, um, you might want to hit just a couple things because it is semi-important to basketball. Maybe like, hey, we, we want to just get a little hamstring work in. So maybe I'm doing what I call either like toe taps or you're just really, you're straight-legged, but you're pulling the heels right back under the glutes. Why? Let's just get them firing a little bit more. Um, I don't think you have to do as much as what used to be done. So I would say to a coach if and ask the kids sometimes, They'll tell you, you know, maybe you do 10 dynamic things and be like, hey, what if we took it down to four or five, you know, and you guys tell me, tell me what are the best four or five, but we're going to do these and we're going to do them efficient, but we're going to cut it in half. Kids will, oh yeah, these four and we'll do them. Why? Because we want to do less of this. Um, maybe you come up with a nice routine and yours is a small skill level routine, low level, and all of a sudden they're pretty warmed up. Um you could get rid, I think, of the dynamic stuff if you wanted. What does that dynamic stuff do? Just gets the heart rate up, just gets joints moving, just gets um, muscles somewhat warmer. Can you? Can that be created? I wouldn't dive into high, high intensity right away, but you, I think it can be done through all basketball movements um, if you really wanted to do that. So I, I don't think there's a wrong answer. Um, I think, too, if you ask the kids, they will tell you. Um, what certain things they like, certain things that just makes them feel good uh, when they're ready to perform. Because again, kids two and a half quarters in and, and you're throwing him in and he didn't have much of a chance to warm up. He, war he warmed up 27 minutes ago. Um, and now you're asking him to go in and play a high intensity sport. Um, so I, I wasn't the best answer. I would say whatever you think is more efficient. I like the RPR. I like some sort of movement. Um, I, I have one that's called greatest stretch in the world. So if there is some sort of moving slash static uh hitting a few positions um kind of google that because it just kind of does hips knees ankles a little rotation um a little hamstring a little glute a little calf um and, and it's honestly it takes i don't know if it takes a minute um to do you can do that real quick but again you're, you're gonna hop off off the bench and you gotta go is that the one where you almost take a really big step out and then you you take kind of your elbow down and then you twist yeah. and open up Okay. Yep. All right. I'll just yeah. make it sure. Yeah. I love yes. that one. People call it different things. I mean, yep. years ago, Mike Boyle, I heard it called the greatest, this is the greatest stretch in the world. I've seen, you know, I don't know if I've seen like Spider-Man or things like that. Yeah. 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 Kind of that pose. Yep. Yes. I, I think it all, it encompasses everything all in about one minute. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think you could, I think basketball guys could warm up in less than way less than five minutes. Awesome. Um, awesome. Cool. I like it. Um, coach, this has been, this has been awesome. And I know we're going to, 
I'm going to let you pepper me with a few questions before we get going, but, you know, to kind of cut the first piece of it in here, I just want to thank you for being on the, the yeah. coach's edge. And um, is there any last, you know, piece of advice or tidbit that you want to leave to the coaches that are listening? Um, yeah. And I guess I would, I would, I would throw this over your way. First of all, I'm, I'm honored. I, and when you said like 30, 40 minutes and I said, I thought to myself, I, I love talking, coaching. I love talking about kids. Um, I, I knew you a little bit enough. And I said, I guarantee this could probably could go quite a bit longer um, <laughs> and, and down some other rabbit holes, but uh, I'm, I'm honored uh, that you had re reached out. Um, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. Love talking, coaching, um, love learning a little bit more about you. And um, I appreciate you, you having me on um, love to do anything like this again sometime um, or just talk to you in general, even, even off, of the podcast, uh, just about coaching and kids and things like that. Um, where is it? And this is a question, but also just feedback for coaches and just people in general. It is about the kid and what do they want? What are their goals? Maybe their goal isn't to play in college basketball. Maybe they just want to get better and contribute to their team. You know, teach them to be a valuable teammate. Maybe a kid, hey, my goal is to play college basketball. Well, then like you had said in some of your other podcasts, be realistic. You know, where are your skills? Where do you see them? Do you want to walk on? Do you want us, you know, um, to play here? Do you want to go to school? Do you, you know, you, you have C's, D's and, and one F. Do you really want to go to college? I mean, be realistic with, with some of them. Maybe that's some of their goals. What does the kid want? You know, and I think as coaches, we have to get rid of our own ego. Um, and, and I heard in that same podcast, you talked about, Maybe, maybe some of your friends or people wanted you to go D1 so they could say they knew a guy to go D1. It is about what the kid wants, not to put a notch in your belt like, oh, I got this guy here. I got that. Maybe they don't want that. You know, so if you can focus on that and get rid of your ego, um, I think that's important, you know, and I, and I probably one of my favorite phrases is a kid, kids don't care what you know until they know how much you care. So if you're not invested in them, you're not, first of all, you're not going to get the best out of them. And I think there's nothing more refreshing than, than, and you can see this from a skill level point, building confidence in somebody and seeing them become a better player, uh, a better worker, a better teammate. Um, that's far more than, hey, they got to this level. Um, so if there's any bit of advice, it is what, what does the kid want? And, and not what the parent wants. What does the kid want? And then you kind of dive into your coaching that way. Because there's going to be many that want different things. Coach, thanks again. Um, this was this was some really, really great stuff. Thanks for being on the Coach's Edge. I, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. A big thank you to Brian for taking the time to be on the Coach's Edge podcast. Man, he has a ton of knowledge, and I felt like we were just scratching the surface with some of the things that he was talking about. Like when he's talking about RPR, I mean, that could be a full podcast, just breaking down what that really looks like and entails. Great stuff. We'll have to have him back on again. Now, uniquely enough, he asked that I could answer some questions for him. So we actually have a part two episode coming up in a couple weeks where he asks me questions about player development, about coaching, about AAU basketball, about some of my experiences, the, the things that I've 
um, kind of succeeded at, some of my experiences playing basketball at the high school, college, and professional level, some of the things that I try to make sure that I teach and emphasize as I work with this next generation of young people. So be on the lookout as uh, Brian for not being on a podcast before. He does a great job as the podcast host in one of these episodes that coming up in the coming weeks. Thanks again for listening to the show. If you found it beneficial, please be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and a review. That goes a really long way. We're, we're close to 50 ratings and reviews. That's pretty amazing. So help us try to get to that 50 mark. That would be pretty cool. Thanks again and get after it today.